welcome back to another edition of the Parkrun Adventures podcast. My name is Scotty. Welcome, Mel. Thank you, Scotty. What episode number is this? 69. Just plain old 69. Hey, busy weekend. Massive weekend around the country. Lots of people doing stuff. Running related. I know, right? I didn't get a run-in. Did you get a run-in? <laughs> no. <laughs> literally, I didn't. Yeah, no. Literally, I didn't either. So, yeah. What sort of example are we setting? On a weekend where we've got people at the uh, UTA event doing some crazy stuff. Warwick Pentathron up this way. Down my way, we had the Great Ocean Road Marathon. And what did you and I do? I volunteered with somebody who went to the Great Ocean Road Marathon. (laughs) Yeah, he volunteered on Saturday because he was heading down that way. Okay. Yeah. I I, I spoke to some people that went and did these events, but (laughs) personally, no. Had a walk at Parkrun with my gorgeous daughter. It was her birthday. And how cool is this? She's happy to go to Parkrun on her birthday. We do give her the that's, choice. That's pretty gorgeous. Yeah, we we give her the choice of which park run she can go to, and she chose Coburg. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, it was their birthday too, so I think she likes the synergy of that. But she does. <laughs> she also, I know, she does enjoy Coburg. It's like a big party for yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. There's birthday cake, so it's win-win. Was it a fancy dress one? It was. They did a under the sea thing again. Again, when I say again, they've never done it before, but. It's very popular now, under the sea. It is. Did did the jellyfish umbrellas come back out? No, we went as pirates. We went as a family of pirates. Okay. I must admit our... Well, that's not uh, under the sea, you know. That's on top of the sea. Yeah. Well, I think, no... Unless just, you fall out of the boat. I think that the, the, the specific technical theme was on the sea, above the sea, by the sea, anything to do with the sea. Because it's sea for Coburg. Yeah. And I've got to admit, our um, dress-up game was was a bit uh, lacking this week. <laughs> so I might have gone to the $2 shop on Friday night. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Yep. People don't need to feel pressured to, you know, spend a fortune or whatever on their costumes. But you know, the um, the eye patch from the $2 shop, not, not as high quality as you might expect. Really? Yep. Struggled to fit around my head and then dug and scratched my face. Okay, well, maybe you just have a big head. You know, people have said that, but I actually don't. <laughs> like, if you actually measure it, I've actually got a small head. I've got a fat, round head, but it's actually in size. It's it's small. Okay. It might have more to do with the fact that it was kids dress up. Yes, possibly. Children's size costumes don't tend to fit adults for some reason. But this is all irrelevant to parkrun and running which I did none of on the weekend. But we've got lots on the podcast this week, and some of it revolves around the longest run. We're going to check in with all our organisers, and let's check in with one of them right now. Joining me on the podcast from the Sunshine Coast is Mel Urbacher. Well, thank you, Scotty, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, tell us what you've got in store for the Sunshine Coast on the longest run this year. 
Well, we are doing things a little bit exciting this year and we're actually going to flip the longest run on its head. You're so not. Traditionally, we are. We are. Get we're going to do it backwards. It's going to be reverse freedom runs all day, only the courses are going to be run in the right direction. And um, we're just going to start at the opposite end of where we started last, the last two years, I should say. So this year, we're going to start at the gorgeous Noosa in probably the dark and very cold because it tends to be that way in June since it's winter. And we're going to head from Noosa to town of Seaside, then jump over to Nambour. We are doing what's rumoured to be Australia's toughest park run, third on longest run day. So anyone who's participating and hoping to do all seven events is going to have to do the last four after they've done Nambour. I'm not sure how many people are going to thank me for that. Before we move on to Brightwater, then Kiwana, then Golden Beach, and we're going to finish at Central Lakes. Very exciting. Uh, any new events this year, or is this the same? It's the same bunch of events, just... In a different backwards. order. Yeah, so you're mixing yes. it up a bit. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of uh, movement in terms of extra launches in our local area of late. So there will be a couple of new events to mix things up with next year. And we might be able to do what everybody else seems to be able to do this year and have two longest runs in the same general area that overlap for a couple of events. Hmm. That's something to look forward to. But this year, we're just going to do our old favourites backwards. And it's happening on the 11th of June? It is indeed. Yeah, it's a week no, um, ahead of the winter solstice, but we kept clashing every year with a, a whole bunch of other big running events. So there was uh, much chatter amongst the longest run organisers about whether or not we'll just bring it forward a week. And look, let's face it, last week, the majority of the events got rained out. So we ended up postponing till some of us didn't get to run till August. And um, that made some wonderful opportunities for other runners to be able to do two longest run events in one year. But ideally, we want to do it earlier because there just gets to be more and more running events the later you leave it. Good day. That's the Sunshine Coast covered off. We're going to check in with the other states later. Just for those new to the game, Longest Run's not an official park run. That's why it's called Longest Run. They don't count. They're on the park run courses, but they don't count. No, they're all just freedom runs. Everybody self-times. Everybody runs at their own risk and um, has a good time. Yep. Still officially fun, just not officially a park run. We are very excited to introduce our next guest. He is a multi-Paralympian. He completed the 50-kilometre event at the UTA over the weekend, and he's done all sorts of other crazy adventures. Michael Milton, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers. Thank you. Now let's jump right into it, and we'll ask you about your most recent endeavours. How was the UTA? 
Yeah, so um, did the 50-kilometre Ultra Trail Australia. Um, it was, you know, I mean, it's such a beautiful place to explore and get to know and um, had a few training trips up to the Blue Mountains. One amazing adventurous weekend. Uh, I think uh, Katoomba had 350-odd millimetres of rain and we got to go and splash around. It was uh, warm enough that there were no issues and it was just fun because all of these huge waterfalls are just running crazy and we kept on getting lost because trails are blocked with overflowing creeks and canyons and yeah it was very very cool so really enjoyed exploring the area and then of course i've i've run the entire 50k course i think i'm all prepared and um friday evening they go and change the entire course on us due to um some rain forecast and it turned into pretty heavy rain friday night so got to go and explore a whole new 50ks of trail in the blue mountains so it was lots of fun now michael mel's forgot to mention that you actually did the 50k on crutches because for the listeners that don't know you actually lost your leg when you were nine so that's another challenge within itself you know 50k through that terrain is tough enough in itself but you've done it on crutches what, what were some of the challenges you faced i guess for me running on crutches is something i've done a fair bit of um you know plenty of running training uh from everything from you know school cross country through to training for paralympics as a as a skier you know quite often overseas would go for runs and bits and pieces um right up to other things, run the Gold Coast Marathon, et cetera, et cetera. Running with crutches offers a, a bit of a physical challenge that's different. I think um, the science says, and there's not much science on um, moving with crutches, but but what I've been able to find and read says that if you're on a nice, smooth, grippy floor um, and you're walking along in a hospital, you'll use about 1.7 times the energy um, per kilometre than you will on two legs. So it's a, a less efficient way to travel. Um, it's a bit of an ultimate full-body workout because everything gets hammered, leg, abdominals, lower back, arm, shoulders, etc. It's You know, there's not much that's not working. And, um, and then over the longer distances like this, you start to have issues with wrists, hands, blistering, um, all of those sort of things. They're, they're just not designed quite as well as feet are in terms of dealing with that sort of impact and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, they're some of, the, some of the challenges, I guess, that, that I come to when I'm running with crutches. Do you have standard hospital issue crutches or do you have ones with like shock absorbers and special grippy grips on the hands or something for like all-terrain crutches so um i do adapt my crutches quite a bit um obviously there's two basically two types of crutches you've got your underarm crutches and you know um if anybody who's broken their leg or something they're not a bad option but they do come with a fair bit of friction under your arms etc i use a forearm based or canadian crutch and um, the ones that I use have a, a really nice kind of contoured handle. And then for trail stuff, uh, I put on some custom carbon shafts to pull out the weight. I like to things keep things pretty simple so I don't go for any fancy shock absorbers or anything like that, although they are commercially available uh, for, for, for everyday use. Um, I find they're not great for, for trail and for running. Uh, so I try and keep everything pretty lightweight and uh, the rubber tips that I use are, are pretty tough and they work well on trail. 
Um, for road stuff, um, park run, Gold Coast Marathon, I've got um, done, a, done a few triathlons and stuff. I've got a pretty fancy pair of cust- full custom carbon um, crutches with prosthetic running blades um, on the bottom as springs. So they, um, they absorb the shock when landing on them and then return some of that energy as you kind of step off them. So um, they're beautiful to run with on the road, but unfortunately – uh, they're a bit too uh, unpredictable in terms of grip, and it can be pretty hard to control that rebound on steeper terrain, downstairs, and things like that. So uh, can't use them on on trails, on you know dirt trails, but um, on the road they're beautiful to run with. And what kind of elevation are we talking about for for the fifty kilometer event? Like you you mentioned that they changed the course, so you wouldn't have known exactly what to expect either. How much do they make you go up and down? The course was about 2,400 metres was on the schedule. Um, my Strava file told me it was like 2,100 and I had a look at all the people running around me at their Strava files and, and everybody, you know, depending on the device, it's not a great way to measure elevation, but they're all between about 1,800 and, and 2,400 metres of elevation. So I think somewhere around 2,000 metres of elevation I know um, I was posting on one of the social media groups and kind of asked the question for people who'd run the normal course that they use, which one was harder and stuff. And I, I think the actual um, the time this year was about 15 minutes faster than last year's. So uh, I think for the elites, uh, it was a little bit faster. But there are a fair few um, longer climbs than the other course. And then we finished with the Nellie's Glen stairs as opposed to the Ferber stairs. And I think consensus were the, was that Nellie's Glen's a, a big step harder than, than Ferber. Um, Ferber's like 951 steps uphill. So, um, yeah, Nellie's Glen's, a, it was a big, tough, tough climb in the dark. And the other issue that we had with the, the course change uh, was that we started uh, over two hours later because there's a ladder on the course, they wanted to try and get as many 100K runners through who start at 6am through the ladder section before the 50K runners arrived. And so, um, yeah, the, the ladder section. So we started at 10am, which for me um, meant a 12-hour run finished at 10pm, so a bit more time in the dark. Michael, we've had some accomplished guests on the podcast before, but I'm looking at your list and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, the Olympics, the uh, Kokoda treks, the triathlons. It's oh, very kind of you to say, Scott. <laughs> Ridiculous is a compliment. Um, how did, yeah. how did the, you turn your uh, focus to doing the trail running? How did that come about? Oh, you know, I love the outdoors. I love challenging myself and, you know, have managed throughout my sporting career, whether it be, um, you know, Paralympic Games or, uh, you know, other, other pursuits that, um, you know, I like to – keep fit and healthy i like to challenge myself i love the outdoors and i love a bit of variety so uh you know setting myself a new challenge and and then going and achieving it is um pretty motivating for me and uh particularly after my second bout of cancer in my life um post-cancer fatigues there and i need to kind of manage that and i think fitness is is a really important part of managing it and uh, that's a pretty big motivator for me to maintain the energy to play with my kids and to have fun with my life. So, um, yeah, that's, this is kind of where I'm at and uh, what I really enjoy doing. How did you enjoy the trail running community? 
it's the event and the atmosphere around the the event and the support that I've had is um, it's it's been great. You know, the UTA family is is amazing. Um, Tom and Alina, who run, have started the event. I've just done ten years ago now, so this was the tenth event. Um, I've known since we were kids because they're uh, they come from the skiing side of things down at Perisher and. Um, so I know them well and, um, you know, the, the atmosphere and everything, the support out on course, um, you know, it's, it's been really fun actually. I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, my little dipping my toe into trail running and, uh, yeah, I have to admit I've, I've been having a look at a couple of websites and starting to think about, um, you know, where to now we've, we've got a 50 K ultra under the belt. Um, I promised my wife that I won't do the hundred, um, just because of the chance of, permanent damage to hands and wrists and, and stuff like that. I think it's, um, you know, being out there for that distance is really asking for, for trouble for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, what can I do and where can I go? So, um, you know, I think uh, I've really enjoyed this experience and would love to do something along these lines again. Look, be careful. The trails can be addictive. So <laughs> don't ride off the hundred just yet. <laughs> No, uh, no, I've, you know, I've made the deal with my wife, and um, yeah, that's that's a pretty solid deal. Okay, I think yeah. I, I, I'm happy to rule that one out. Okay, can't argue with that. You also had a camera crew with you through this journey, is that right? Yeah, so part of um, our relationship with UTA um, is to produce a documentary and try and submit it to the Trails in Motion um, International Film Running Festival for next year. So. Um, We've got uh, had a film crew following us around and, and doing everything. And, um, you know, uh, the crew's in Canberra where I live, so we've been doing some um, some shoots here on early morning runs and um, up in the Blue Mountains and doing a whole pile of variety of stuff. So um, it's been a pretty interesting process and, and pretty helpful. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, very much looking forward to uh, seeing more footage because I haven't actually seen that much of what they've shot. So uh, hopefully I'll get the chance to do that at some stage. That sounds awesome, Michael. So you mentioned earlier that you love variety and obviously you're a big fan of the great outdoors. Your Paralympic career has not all been in one sport. You've crossed between skiing, cycling and triathlon. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess as a kid, my passion was skiing. Um, I came from a skiing family. My dad used to be a ski patroller at Threadbow. They started a retail ski business in Canberra the year I was born. So skiing was very much a part of my childhood. And, you know, particularly after going through bone cancer at age nine, uh, having my leg amputated, skiing was a, a great way for me to get back into the outdoors and doing something that I loved. And, you know, right through um, into my early 30s, it was a, a huge motivator to take skiing as far as I could and to really test my limits. So um, skied for a long time, went to five Winter Paralympics, games, won a few gold medals, explored uh, a different avenue of skiing by going um, speed skiing in France and then skiing down a mountain at over 213 kilometres an hour. Um, but at the same time, I kind of knew when my career was over and um, was still young enough to, to look for a challenge. I had a baby on the way, I had a mortgage to pay for, and so I started off uh, track cycling. And went through another bout of cancer and then qualified to go to the Beijing Paralympic Games uh, as a track cyclist. And then have kind of evolved from that into um, into going to a couple of world triathlon championships um, in sprint distance. Um, and then, yeah, kind of uh, 
continued to turn my pursuits, I guess, to more, uh, uh, you know, weekend warrior level athlete and, um, and just doing stuff for fun rather than trying to be too serious about it. Now, I'm one of those people who has to do things for fun instead of being serious because I'm not very fast. But you just you just let slip there that you you skied at 213 kilometers an hour. You, I understand you did that in 2006, and that that is the fastest ever time on skis. Is that correct? Um, no, no, I'm uh, the fastest ever Australian skier, which makes ah. me uh, a big fish in a small pond. Um, and I'm also the fastest skier in the world with a disability. So the uh, I think the unbodied world speed record at the moment's up. Uh, 254. Okay. So, yeah, um, 213. You know, not anything super amazing on the world stage, but, um, you know, from my point of view, it was a a great accomplishment and something that was um, a really interesting process to go through learning uh, about aerodynamics, learning about uh, my own, I guess, mental um, preparation under pressure like that. And, and yeah, you know, at the end, I guess, a huge adrenaline rush of, of skiing at extreme high speed. Okay, yes. Yeah, so 213 is certainly nothing to sniff at. What what does your body even do when you're going that fast? Like, I freak out if the car is, is going too fast and I'm enclosed in a vehicle that is, you know, there's no wind and things like that. And I'm going to d- double barrel this question. What kind of device can clock that sort of speed does it does a normal gps watch do that um so yeah i guess um the first part of that answer is you know your body's really just standing still um in many ways you're just uh holding a crouch position and in some ways the faster you go the easier it gets from a physical point of view because your body starts to produce lift and so the weight kind of comes off your leg and you've you've almost kind of got to relax to hold that crouch as you go up past uh, 180 200 kilometers an hour so, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, that's the way it kind of works. And, and in many ways, speed skiing is very much a mental game. It's about dealing with your own demons and fear, et cetera. The actual timing of the event, it's, um, it's done over 100 metres and there's simply two timing beams exactly 100 metres apart. They're triangulated, checked by a lawyer, et cetera, because it's an official world record. So, um, yeah, they simply time your speed over 100 metres Therefore, your average speed is easy to calculate over that 100. So, yeah, if, you, if you're doing 200 kilometers an hour, you'll do 100, 100 meters in 1.8 seconds. So um, that's kind of how it works. I guess, uh, you know, the GPS option um, is there, but it's not accurate enough for a, an official world record or anything. I think it's uh, at, at speed, it's kind of plus or minus 10 or 12 kilometers an hour. What happens if you fall over? I hope. Did, <laughs> did you find out what happens if you fall over that speed? Yeah, you know, falling over, um, it's not a good option. Um, you know, when you're skiing recreationally, you know, quite often do things that give you a pretty high chance of falling over and you're prepared to take that risk. Um, but the consequences of falling over at, at high speed like this are a little bit different. And, you know, you simply, you've got to absolutely minimise that risk and, and try and be, uh, you know, reliable um, and solid. So uh, what happens if you do, uh, you know, there's, potential for lots of things to happen and none of them are very good uh everything from broken bones to um burns um because the friction between your suit and the snow can actually develop enough heat to melt it um and uh yeah a whole pile of not pretty things okay let's move on from that yeah i hope you didn't fall over 
at UTA on the weekend? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Oh, um, I you know over that sort of distance, I would kind of normally expect to have a two, one or two little slips or, or something going on. And especially, you know, we had, what, 20, 25 mil of rain overnight on Friday night. So trails were uh, were muddy and slippery. Um, but, um, no, I was wearing my favourite hocker trail shoe, which is super lugged and grippy. And, uh, you know, my crutch tips are actually pretty good in that condition. When I've done other things like walk a coder and stuff like that, generally uh, – you know, the crutches actually grip surprisingly well in, in muddier and softer conditions. Now, I always like to bring it back to parkrun, Michael. We are the parkrun adventurers. And it's good to know that you've done a few parkruns down in Canberra. You've I've checked done out- a few, not as many as I'd like to do. My, um, my son and I, he's eight, um, we have a little bit of a parkrun challenge going. And um, I, I do a few more than him, but um, it keeps on uh, keeps on coming along about once a month when I throw a parkrun challenge at him and uh, coming along and whipping my backside, actually. He's quite proud that I haven't beaten him yet over 5Ks. I keep on trying to stretch him out to, to a longer event, but he hasn't, uh, hasn't agreed to that yet. <laughs> so 5K is the sweet spot for, you, for your son? <laughs> for an eight-year-old uh, versus me? Absolutely. I think my parkrun PB is uh, 32 odd, so um, you know he's uh, he's down at 30, but probably has the potential to go a bit lower than that if he really wanted to push it. And which ones have you tried in the Canberra region? Went out to Ginandera a few years ago now, 2013, with the Indigenous Marathon Project um, guys, and and met and had a chat with them and and Deke, and um, so that was fun. And uh, more recently, been going to my local down at um, Lake Wheeler Griffin. You're a bit of a junkie for for crazy, wonderful, amazing things to do. You make me feel like an underachiever. But what's the next adventure you've got planned? I got a call about three weeks ago that involved coming and guest speaking at a charity event for the charity partner for the Cairns Ironman Triathlon. And um, while I was having a chat to them about coming up to Cairns and, um, you know, it's a charity event, so they didn't have budget or anything, I kind of said, well, you know, could you, could you score me an entry or something? And um, they went, yeah, of course, that's super easy for us. So um, so I've got an entry in for the Cairns Half Ironman Triathlon. Um, I um, don't have long, though, because after UTA on Saturday and 50K, I need a, a little bit of time to recover from that. So I've got less than three weeks now till that event. So uh, I guess it's not ideal from a recovery and training point of view. At some stage very soon, I'm going to have to start my swimming training. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess, um, my training recently is, and, and it always has, you know, I have passion for riding bikes. And so, um, you know, I think if I did all my training for a 50 K trail run by running, my body would break down. It just running with crutches is pretty intense on, on parts of your body. And so mixing that up with some longer bike rides and, and maintaining that aerobic base, I think has been really good for me. So I should be good on the bike and the run. And if, as long as I can pull the swim together, I haven't trained specifically for it, but I won't be kind of racing it too much. I'm just there to uh, do my first long distance triathlon to finish and to really enjoy myself. So, uh, you know, I'm realistic about where I'm at with that. And, uh, We'll be happy just to go out and plug away and, uh, you know, as long as I keep moving forward, I'll eventually get to the end of it. Do you have a, a rough time in mind that you think you might finish? You know, I'd like to I'd like to think that I could make it uh, around six and a half hours. Um, 
I've traditionally not done well in the heat. Uh, I guess 20 years of uh, living winter to winter as a full-time skier and, and things like that, you know, I used to start sweating and swearing and hating the weather as soon as it got over 25 degrees. Um, and as soon as it did, I'd try and leave the country and go somewhere colder. Um, these days I'm better than I used to be, but coming out of a Canberra winter up to Cairns, um, that's uh, a bit scary for me. So... We will um, we'll wait and see. But, you know, I think six and a half hours for me should be relatively realistic, I hope. You'll be fine, Michael. I've done a few triathlons in my time, and the swim leg is a waste of time. You make up all the time <laughs> on the bike and the run, so you've got well, that covered. what do they say on, a, on the swim? You, you can't win a triathlon and swim, but you can lose it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I, I've, I'm confident in you. Looking at your yeah. achievements, <laughs> I, think, I think you'll go all right. Thanks, thanks Scotty. Um, thanks heaps for coming on the Parkrun Adventurers and having a chat to us this week. Very inspirational what you did on the weekend. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for the call. It was great to uh, get a message the other day from you guys after UTA and, uh, you know, um, love so many things about Parkrun, not only doing it myself, but the idea and the sense of community that, that you get when you go there. So, um, yeah, very happy to help out. We heard from Mel in the intro about what's happening on the Sunshine Coast for the longest run. It's only fair we visit the rest of the country. So we're going to do a quick wrap around and we're going to start in Queensland and welcome back to the podcast, Liv Coop. And welcome for the first time, Fiona Edmonds. Liv, why don't you start telling us what's happening in your neck of the woods in Brisbane this year for the longest run? Okay, so we're starting at Mansfield, which is a brand spanking new park run. It hasn't even launched yet. So that one will be the actual trial date for that park run. So that's a bit exciting. We start at 7 o'clock at Mansfield. Then we move on to Wishart, then Manipi, Wynnum, Kapalawa, Cleveland, and then Redland Bay. So we join up with the Logan guys at Cleveland, which is our sixth run. And Fiona, what have you got in store? Okay, we're starting a little bit early because of distance. We're starting out at Yarrabilba, which is a smaller park run, so it would be awesome to, to get quite a few people out to that event and check it out. And then we're going on to Berenbar, Underwood Park, Meadowbrook, Logan River, meeting up at Cleveland and on to Redland Bay and hopefully to meet up with all the other guys there and um, have a bit of a wind-up and uh, a, a gathering with everybody. Nothing like meeting in the middle to, to make sure you have a really great, big, flashy ending to what is always an amazing day. Now, ladies, of the events, I mean, obviously, Mansfield, it's a trial run. Uh, Redland Bay, that's going to be a very, very new event as well, only launching the day before that. But how many of the events in total do you know have actually been involved in a longest run before? Well, see, last year we did two legs as well and Alan coordinated the other leg and we met up at Capalabar last year. So I'm not. I'm pretty sure Wishart and Manipi have been on longest runs. So all bar Mansfield and Redland Bay, there are two newbies this year on our leg. Yeah, and I've got two, well, the newbie with Underwood Park because they only launched just prior to Christmas last year. 
Um, and then, of course, following into Redland Bay at the end as well. Fantastic. So you're, you're starting a little bit earlier so that you could um, meet in the middle on, on the right time. How have you ladies found the actual scheduling of, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of events to do in a row and you need to factor in uh, run time slash walk time and then travel distance and things like that. How have you each found the scheduling aspect? Is it Has it been difficult or challenging? Do we have to tell you the truth? <laughs> well, you don't have to. <laughs> oh, well, yes, it was really, really, really difficult. We spent hours deliberating over it and there was numerous messages going backwards and forwards. There was paper all over the office. But in reality, there was this awesome little spreadsheet set up by an awesome man called The Prof in previous years who emailed it to us and we just plugged in some areas in Google and did some distances and kabang, out she came. <laughs> I pretty nice. much said to Alan, these are the runs I want to do and he just made it happen, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's a champion. Now, I wanna, I'm interested in the Mansfield event. It's going to kick off your leg, Liv. So it's going to be the trial for Mansfield Park Run. So they're actually going to get timed for the very first one, but then that's it. No more timing. That's right. Well, they can time themselves. So I'm planning on having a clipboard there. So it'd be good if people could time themselves and then just write their name and time down and then I'll collate it all at the end. I think that would be cool to do. In terms of the... the encouraging more walkers to be involved live so what difference is there from the times last year to this year that you're allowing well we're allowing extra 10 minutes so um, last year it was 45 minutes per event um, but we did have a lot of travel time that's what makes it hard because we're doing it in the winter our days aren't as long obviously so we run out of light so that's why we wanted to um, yeah shorten the distance a little bit but um, yeah, just allow for people to be able to not be so rushed, you know, and they could actually come and walk because you can generally walk a park run within, you know, 50 minutes to an hour top. So I think that's, you know, it allows for those people or even the slower joggers like myself who just plod along, you know, to be able to do them in plenty of time. Great stuff. So it's June the 11th. You're all ready to go in Brisbane. Thanks for coming on and sharing all the details for the longest run Brisbane this year. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. We're heading over to the West now to hear about longest run for Western Australia. There's going to be a couple this year. And to tell us all about it, we have Jeremy Savage. Jez, welcome back to the Parkrun Adventurers. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been it's been too long. Tell us all about Longest Run WA. So this year in Western Australia in in we're having two longest runs. We're doing a northern suburbs and we're doing a southern suburbs. And we decided that it would be appropriate for the two different events to, to meet in the middle and cover Claysbrook Cove. And then, of course, the all-important rehydration um, will occur at the closest pub to the Royal Hotel. Can you go through the list of events for us, Jess? Uh, so the southern suburbs, uh, we're starting at Applecross and going from Applecross to Bibra Lake, um, from Bibra Lake across to Kalia. ABC. Completely coincidental. 
Um, so from Kalia then to Champion Lakes, so keeping with the alphabet, um, there will be lunch provided at Champion Lakes by the awesome event team from the uh, Champion Lakes Park Run. The event director and her wonderful event team are putting on some, some lunch for us. And then from Champion Lakes, we'll head north to Pioneer, then over to Canyon River Park Run, and then we'll complete the seven events at Claysbrook Cove. Let's jump in there. What was that sixth one? Canning River. Oh, Canning River. Yeah. So I thought you said Kangaroo Park Run. I thought you said Kangaroo as well, but I wasn't going to. <laughs> I wasn't going to um, dispute it. But this was another mystery WA Park Run that we didn't know about. But no, Canning River. And in the north? So the northern suburbs will start at Cottesloe. Um, so Cottesloe up to Corrine Glades, and then from Corrine Glades to Quinns Rocks, heading back south from Quinns to Lake Joondalup, across to Averley, and then finishing at... Um, oh, I forgot Maylands Peninsula. So Averley, Maylands Peninsula, then to Glazebrook Cove. Sorry, Maylands. Whoops. Yeah, we're not sure how many people we're expecting. Um, we're not sure how things are going to go with the two different uh, course, the different schedules. But we do expect a group of people to be doing the southern loop, not by car, but by bicycle. So the plan is that we'll meet at uh, Applecross Park Run, and then we'll cycle between each of the events just for added pain Yeah, just for suffering. an added challenge. So have you roughly calculated... How far are you going to be cycling? Because you know you're going to be running 35k. Uh, we haven't worked that. We we haven't worked that out. But we've we've factored in there will be enough time to do to do them all on bicycle as well as run. We may start a few a little bit late, but we'll certainly make up the time at uh, at lunch. Now, last year everyone should be fresh because last year WA skipped the longest run. <laughs> not sure that's quite how it works and unfortunately it just didn't work with the timing so different people were at different stages of uh what we're trying to trying to achieve and and we have our perth marathon in in june so it, it's it's unfortunately there's so many things on there's only so many weekends available and it just it, it just simply didn't didn't fit the schedule for for us to to organize last year. Now, Jez, I want to come back to the cycling thing. Does this mean everybody's going to be running in triathlon gear? Like, are we going to be seeing a lot of Lycra in the pictures from WA? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there's not time for transition in terms of changing into running gear. I guess that's what tri gear is for. Trust me, there will be some, there will be a concerted effort to make sure that there is time for for transitioning, <laughs> even if it does involve throwing on a pair of shorts over the top of the the, the, the triathlon nicks, because that that's not a good look. <laughs> well, not a, that I wouldn't say that is for everyone, um, but there are plenty of triathletes out there who disagree with you. And are you going to add in like a swim at the end of the day as well as the other watering hole kind of situation just so you can have the the three events? I, I don't think swimming in Claysbrook Cove would be a smart idea. They've got dolphins there, no? Yes, they do. 
Uh, however, they also have um, jellyfish. Oh, okay. So it's not the sharks that you're scared of, it's the stingers. Well, look, there are, there are bull sharks in there as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the trifecta. you got them all. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's a wise move, to skip the swim. And maybe just have a drink at the end of the day. Of course. Yeah. Jeremy, thanks for coming on and informing us all about what's happening in WA this year in Perth this year. And good luck in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And we're heading now to Victoria to hear all about longest runs that are being planned by Rowan and Tok. Rowan and Tok, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mel. Hi, Mel. Scotty. Lovely to have you on the show, Rowan. It's been it's been a while since. Well, actually, we had a roving adventure from you. Doc seems to be here every week these days. Oh well, on the payroll, <laughs> as you do. Lovely to have you both. Now, please, Rowan, could you start with telling us the events that are going to be included in the longest run that you've organised? Sure. Our longest run takes in north through to northeast of Melbourne. Uh, starting at 7am at Coburg and then heading on to Darabin and a special run, which is Mernda, which is a little special treat. Then on to Westerfolds, Mullum Mullum, Gels and finishing at Frog Hollow. And Tok, I understand that your events will also finish at Frog Hollow, but can you introduce us to how you're going to start and play out the day? Yep, yeah, yeah, certainly Mel. We've, we've actually got an early start doing the Gippsland Park Runs. We've got a fair bit more travel time between our park runs. So we've got a 6.30 kickoff, so it'll be probably headlamps to uh, start with at Trelgan. And then we're going to go out to Churchill, across to Newborough, to Warrigal, Pakenham, Berwick Springs, and then finish with the Melbourne Cruet Frog. Now, last year we only had one longest run in Melbourne. And so, Tok, you loved it so much you wanted to bring it to Gippsland and a little bit of Melbourne, I guess. Yeah, look, last year there was um, there was quite a few Gippslanders that made the trip up for the Melbourne long run. Uh, this year we thought we'd get one going and try to get a, a bigger crew in uh, and meet up with the Melbourne crew for the last run, which I think will be a heap of fun and make it a, a bit of a fun day running into a bigger number rather than having the numbers taper off towards the end. And, and you're finishing at Frog, both of you. Frog's got a reputation for being fast. Do you think this is going to be the fastest leg of the longest run? It certainly could be. Uh, we've got a little bit of elevation with some of the runs in the northeast, uh, particularly with uh, the uh, gels. There's always a bit of a surprise with uh, nearly about 70 metres of elevation. So I think it's going to be quite nice to everyone to finish on the nice, flat, um, comfortable uh, Frog Hollow course. Quite scenic too. Yeah, I think I've got the lucky lucky uh, end of the stick. I'm looking at some of Rowan's with Westerfold's Muller, Mullum and Gels in a row and thinking we've got some nice flat courses at Gippsland, so we might start off a bit quicker, but towards the end of the day, I think everyone will be tapering off a little bit. We're very lucky this year. Um, you mentioned before, Rowan, that you're going to have a sneaky peek preview at Mernda. They're doing a similar thing in Queensland and I love the fact that adventurers can test out a new course that hasn't even come yet and have that sort of preview. Something else that is a little bit different this year is we're not actually running the first longest runs on the winter solstice. So do what was the reasoning behind doing it on Sunday the 11th of June in Victoria? 
A big part of our reasoning, Mel, was the uh, long weekends on that weekend. It gives everyone the Monday to recover and, and catch up a little bit. Uh, it's good that the country's all going to be running on the one day again. I want yeah. to go back to Moonda. Tell us a bit about this, Rowan. What, what, what yeah, have we got so, in plan for Moonda? Yeah, so it's a lovely, lovely course on, on a Stockland's property. Uh, so I've been working with uh, the lovely Amanda, uh, a runner out in the northeast of Melbourne who um, currently works or goes between uh, Laylaw and a few other courses out there, but she's very excited and, and uh, I think, yeah, the giving it a uh, test on the longest run will be a great little sampler and, and get a good bit of feedback for, for Amanda and her, her family and her crew out there. Can you give us a preview of what to expect? Have we got hills at Moonda? To... Yes. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of slight elevations, but, but it's a really nice mix of a course. It's a, it's a lovely little adventure park, so somewhere for the kids to play uh, before they go for their run. Going across multiple surfaces, concrete, boardwalks and uh, gravel, there's a, a little wetland that we run around first, then head down uh, Plenty Road, sort of south towards Melbourne, back up through the wetlands and then through a nature reserve, which is um, just a bushland sort of park. So, um, yeah, a bit of, bit of something for everyone, hopefully. And, Toc, you alluded to yours. I think I've run all your events, either Freedom Runs or Real Runs. They're all very flat. I haven't run Churchill. Tell me Churchill's got lots of hills in it. Yeah, out of the ones that we're running, Churchill probably has got the most elevation. It's shaped probably a little bit like a skate bowl where it's a, a double lap where at each end of the extremities, I guess, you, you go up a bit of a rise. So you're up and down quite often on the, on the same bit of track. The Churchill probably is one of the um, hillier ones that we've actually got down in Gippsland. I tell you what, I'm gutted. I'm going to miss it this year. I will just mention again... Not official park runs, in case there's any confusion. These are just all freedom runs on the one day. And I hope you guys can have fun without me this year. Best of luck. We'll miss you, Scotty. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and telling us all about the Victorian versions of the longest run this year. No worries. Hope to see many, many people out and about. To wrap up, we're going to visit Paul Rainbow in Sydney. Now, all the other states are lucky enough to have two longest runs but in Sydney we're just having the one so we're just having an update from Paul on what have you got planned this year Paul do you know do you know which events you're going to run this year well we were deciding to mix it up um, last year we did the from starting from uh, Cronulla and finishing in Kelkel starting with the sea and ending with the sea um, but this year we're thinking that we'll want to try to make sure we try to do seven different um, park run since we've got so many in Sydney to choose from. Um, so we're trying to organise from at this stage from um, west to east. Um, so starting starting Penrith Way, there's a couple out there, and um, heading back towards the city. So um, trying to do seven park runs there, but some are a bit harder than others to uh, organise because of councils and that sort of thing. But you know that's what we're trying to organise. That's why it's taking a bit longer to suss out the route so have you got a rough idea do you know can you fire off some names of events that you're thinking about hitting up this year yeah we basically well would like to do the um course we'd like to do is penrith lakes then nepean river uh rudy hill the ponds Parramatta, um and hopefully if um uh, it's it's going to be started by then is a, a new one that's going to start um at 
Kirita, uh, I think this is the name. It's, it's basically another one near Rose uh, that we did a test run a few weeks ago. And then finishing up at um, an, another new one at Willoughby. Uh, so that would be our, our seventh one. That was one of the things I, I didn't know whether people would be interested in doing one that's actually not started yet. But um, I was thinking, well, it's quite a good course. It's right on the on the um, harbour there. So it'd be a nice uh, nice one to do. Oh, we've done, done it before it even started. But Hey, there, there are no rules with longest run because you get to do whatever you like. It's not official. I say go for it. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I, I probably will go go for it if that's uh, if that's the case. I just thought people would be feeling like it was uh, not a real park run yet, but I suppose uh, you know it, it is a five k course still. And um, I've already, I did it as as a test run there a few weeks ago. It was great. It was it was a really nice course, uh, but it's uh, just got a few issues with uh, the number of people that want to use the same path. <laughs> Ah, it's a popular area, is it? Yes, it's very, very nice location. Well, I'm sure it's going to be an exciting event this year. And because it's all across the country planned for the 11th of June, I think the weather is just going to be spectacular countrywide. So good luck with it, Paul. Um, Congratulations on being one of the eight longest runs that are happening nationally this year hopefully next year we can get south australia on board and maybe even tassie if they've managed to get enough events up by then yeah i guess it's pretty uh, hard to have seven runs um that uh can, you can do within one single day so you know if uh, you they're a bit widespread it might be a bit hard to <laughs> travel that distance in the day absolutely we're very lucky to live in the spots that we live and hopefully there's a lot of adventurers out there that will go and visit and check out a whole bunch of new events they've never been to mm, that's the main reason i like to do the ones that well you know different each year so you you know you people are experiencing these other ones that they've probably never been to exactly thanks very much for joining us no worries have a good one I am not the only Scott in parkrun circles. There is a Scott Watkins who visited Washington DC on the weekend and he sent us a roving report. Well, I don't we've never had one from the States, have we, Mel? I don't and I don't think so, but also I love the fact that Parkrun Australia's president has gone to Washington DC. Yes. So this is President Scott, not Scotty, at Roosevelt Island Parkrun. So I've just completed my first international park run, and I did it at Roosevelt Island Park Run uh, at, in Washington DC. It's a great event, a really nice course. So the course is a, pretty much a out and back course with an extended loop at the end where you go around a big monument. But it's all on an island, which is in the middle of the, the river um, between uh, Virginia and and Washington DC. And the course, uh, the start of it, you're on a on a trail running through some trees. But then a large part of it, you're on these really nice boardwalks that go with go through the uh, sort of swamp area at the side of the river. They're shorter, so there's no alligators there. And then there's a, a very slight little incline where you come up, you go back down to the other end of the island around Monument on trail, and then back around and then back along the boardwalks again and back up to the start. So it's a pretty um, undulating course at the start and the end, but the middle section is is really flat and really really great 
great event. There was uh, about half the participants today were uh, tourists, so there was quite a few other Australians there, uh, a few people from the UK, and um, but a growing number of, of locals here. And, and for those of you that don't know, Washington DC is a bit of a, a growth area for parkrun in the US. There's been a bit of a strategic decision to focus on growing it. And so there's three events around the, the city now and another few starting up. So there really is some momentum starting to, to build here. And after the run, I was able to speak with a couple of the uh, participants and, and volunteers here. Some of them are local, some of them are living here for a little while from, from the UK. And also Daryl Staniford, who is the country manager for Parkrun in the US and has been uh, responsible for the, the establishment of that event and a number of the other ones around the USA. So here's what they had to say. I'm here with Joyce. Joyce, how did you find out about Parkrun? Um, honestly, I have friends in the UK who were doing it for years and making me super jealous. So when we finally started one in the US, I was super, super excited to get my park runs. And do you live close by? I do. I just live, uh, live just up the hill. So it's about a mile from my house to Roosevelt Island. And how many have you done now? This, I think, is 27. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And what's your favorite thing about park run? I actually really love the community. Um, so I love going for coffee afterwards. And I love that it gets my bottom out of bed to go for a run on Saturday mornings. Excellent. Great. Well, thanks for everything you do for Parkrun USA. Thank you. Paul is the uh, Roosevelt Island male model. Can you tell us about your modelling experience, Paul? Yeah, it's been quite bizarre the last couple of weeks. Um, surprisingly, some people took some. Pi- we got some pictures taken a couple of weeks ago, uh, and unbeknown to me, they've appeared in, appeared in a couple of magazines here: the Washingtonian Running Magazine and a local Connections magazine. Great. And you're not from DC originally, but what brought you here? Uh, I'm in the military, so we're here on a three-year posting, and uh, when we arrived, there were no park runs in the D.C. area, and now we've got at least three, and expanding all the time, so it was um, a bit disappointing when we first arrived, but we were very happy to see them develop over the last couple of years. And you'd done park run in the U.K.? Yes, yeah. Uh, In fact, our first park run was out in the Gold Coast in Australia, and then we got back to the U.K., and South Sea uh, in Portsmouth on the south coast of England is my uh, home run. Great. And what's your favourite thing about parkrun here? I think it's uh, the fact that it gets you out on a Saturday morning and starts the day off in the right way and just enjoying meeting people in the community side. And do you think it's got a future here in the US? Oh yeah, I think it'll explode. I mean, uh, parkruns almost weekly are generating all over the states. So I think once uh, the Americans get the idea of parkrun and what it stands for, it's going to take off big style. Great. Thanks, Paul. So now I'm here with... Daryl, the man who is responsible for Parkrun USA now. And so, Daryl, can you tell us a little bit about your role here in the US? My role is to help all of the enthusiastic volunteers get their park runs going and, and to do them and to help them navigate the permit process and the funding process. And so, how many events do you have in the US now? We have nine events now with three more opening within the next uh, five weeks. So it's summer, there's sort of new events blossoming. What, and what, what's your sort of trajectory for the rest of the year for new events? Uh, unknown at this point. The permits are a challenge in the U.S. So we have, it uh, seems to be wherever we find the most enthusiastic volunteers, we also find the most challenging situation with the permits. So we will have more park runs up and down the uh, both coasts and some in the, in the center of the country, but it's always hard to predict exactly how many and how fast. And what, if someone's out there listening, what could they do to help Parkrun USA? Uh, spread the word about Parkrun so that more people hear about it and stick up their hands and say, I want a Parkrun in my community. 
about five weeks ago, I was in uh, in North Korea and went to Pyongyang and ran the uh, ran the marathon there. So now here I am in uh, in DC. So I was wondering, what's it like uh, living under a crazy president? I don't know. Uh, you'd have to ask the North Koreans. Uh, the U.S. is a great country with uh, great institutions, and no one individual can uh, topple the system. I think but sometimes that's a disadvantage, but generally speaking, it's an advantage. That's good. That's a that's a positive attitude to take. Well, thanks for everything you do for Parkrun in the USA. Glad to, glad you were able to make it over, Scott. Great to meet you. Thanks for the roving report there, President Scott. We look forward to hearing more. I understand you're on some adventures overseas for a little while, so hopefully we can get some more from Mr. Scott Watkins. Good to hear an American accent, in amongst some British accents there, as usual. <laughs> so, Scotty, where's the cake this week? Don't know. Do you? It's it's a little bit confusing, I have to say. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Parker and Australia newsletter doesn't have anniversaries anymore. It's outrageous. Why? Who? What? What's going on there? I don't know. Hmm. There must be another source of information. We could ring around all our events and ask them: Is it their anniversary this week? That seems a little bit labour intensive. It does. I don't have that much time on my hands. What are we going to do? Surely there's somebody who works for Parkrun Australia who could point us in the right direction. Maybe. I'll tell you what, let's change it. Let's just start celebrating. Let's find out where the cake is at first anniversaries. Because the list was getting very long. Do you not agree? I, I'm happy that there's getting a long list. But yeah, no, that makes sense to me. We can, we can help everybody celebrate their first anniversary. Yes, because that's the exciting one. That's when there's always cake. I've been to... <laughs> I've been to second anniversaries, third anniversaries, and there's not always cake. So let's just celebrate events that have made it to one year. And this week, there are none. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) However, next year, there's going to be three celebrating their first anniversary this weekend. So we've got three launches. Where are they? We're going to Mawson Lakes in South Australia. Yay, South Australia. We love it when you guys launch a new event down there. The Ballina Coast in New South Wales are launching. And Mount Beauty in Victoria. That's awesome. That's three different states. Yes. Getting some new parkrun events going. Queensland, not representing this week. We're going to have to do some work, I think. Mm. I'm heading along to Mount Beauty, which will be exciting. We, we launched Tim Boone a couple of weeks ago in Victoria. I think I've mentioned it, one of the smallest towns per capita to have a park run. I, I reckon Mount Beauty's got to be giving that a bit of a nudge too because Mount Beauty is a really small town. So it's very impressive they're going to have a park run. And more importantly, no, it's probably not more important, but does this mean you're going to come... Equal with me on the most events list? Well, it does. If I don't go somewhere new? <laughs> go somewhere new. Go somewhere new? Oh, am I run directing this week? I'm going to have to look at the roster. This can't happen. No. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you... We're going, to, we're going to throw to Club Corner. So you've got, I don't know, about five, six minutes to have a think about it. Make some plans. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, make some plans. But now, Club Corner! Club Corner is back 
we're coming back with the third largest parkrun club in the country in training, and we're welcoming Steve and Margot. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, you guys have been around running for a long time. Tell us how in training the club got started. Well, we had uh, some very successful training groups. I was, um, I'd been coaching since I've been 18, so a long time ago. And I guess the, the training groups got to a size that we really needed to have some structure that uh, you know, could take them to the next level. Because we were getting like 80 people along to a training group and it's like with one coach, it was just not possible. Um, so that was 1994 that, uh, that the club was formed. Yeah, I guess uh, we registered with Athletics Australia and with um, Triathlon Australia so that people in our club could then go and compete in the cross-country season and the triathlon season. It's really been all about recreational, main, mainly recreational runners, hasn't it? That's right. So I, I think our, our focus right at the beginning when we were looking at our training groups was on social and recreational athletes, not on elite. And back then, that was an unusual thing. There weren't really any groups back then at all that were catering for that type of person. It was just elite squads. I remember before Parkrun came to the Sunshine Coast, uh, seeing in-training runners out and about running around in doing obviously club runs and with your uh, signature signature singlets going on. And um, so obviously, and you've just mentioned you were around before Parkrun, were you guys being recreationally focused early adopters of getting your runners to participate at Parkrun? Yeah, when Parkrun first uh, started in Australia, you know, it was uh, down at the Gold Coast, but then uh, there was a move to get it happening in Brisbane as well, which was at New Farm Park. And uh, we really helped, I guess, get it off the ground a bit at the time because nobody knew what a Parkrun was back at that, big, at that time. Um, but we had a, bad, a big club, like we've got you know, 700 members in our club and it was probably pretty similar back then. And... Um, so we, we tried to encourage all of our club members to go, and we promoted it through our, our business as well, the Interning Running Centre. And, yeah, I think it's, it's been a great thing for the community, park runs. We love them. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a running phenomenon, really. Yeah. So, yeah, we're quite happy to have been there at the beginning to help support them. The fact that you, you get a time each week and you can compare it to your previous weeks and uh, – you know, you go along and it's, it's sort of not really a race and you're going along to just sort of run hard or run easy if you want and, uh, you know, whatever you want. But it's it's mixing with your friends and it's such a an easily easy distance to run. Uh, you know, you can run 5K every week and you can still back up the next week and run 5K again. Whereas you, you run a marathon, you're out of action for quite a long time. But, you know, I, I think... The, the main thing that it's really done for the running community is just uh, offered a, a gateway to people to become runners and then to sort of go on to do marathons or half marathons afterwards as well. So, so it's, really, it's really been a wonderful thing for the community. So I'd like to just thank everybody who's involved as either a, a volunteer or as a participant. And you mentioned that the, the club got to a size where you couldn't facilitate um, – you know, you needed more structure to it. Has Parkrun become 
part of a structured sort of weekly cycle, what kind of things do you, like program-wise, uh, encourage your runners to do? Well, we have uh, what's called a minimalist uh, marathon program that we do, and that's for marathoner and half marathoners. And then we have a, a couch to 10K program that we do for more beginners. And uh, we've got like, I don't know, 15 to 20 coaches that are active uh, doing sessions. Uh, we have beginner sessions, kids sessions, uh, long run, speed sessions, all sorts of things. But a component of our actual program is doing a tempo run on a Saturday. Uh, so mostly we encouraging people to do park runs. Um, there's also the cross country season where the kids mostly will do the the cross countries during that time. Um, but uh, uh, you know it, it is a, a core component of one of the the major sessions that we do in each week. So we have long run, uh, a tempo session which is the park run. We do a threshold session which is sort of longer reps, and then we have a speed session. So those are the four sessions that we have as, as a component of, of what we do. And the other, the other um, part of it that we've introduced in the last year is a once a month predictor race. So we once a month encourage our runners to um, log on a time onto our um, club Facebook page and then they predict their time. They then have to either run with no watch or with their watch covered up and then they, we give them a prize. Yeah. Um, to our club members who have got who's got closer to the predicted race and that, that's a really important skill for all runners to learn no matter what level they're at and we actually uh each week we do a newsletter out to our club members and uh we list everybody who's run a park run and what their place was and time and uh yeah so it's it's something that we sort of have as a, a i guess a focus uh in the promotion of what we do you know, as a club that all sounds awesome. You sound very active with Parkrun. Now, in training is based in Brisbane and it's mainly Queensland based. Have you stretched out to the rest of the country? Well, you know, I guess that's an interesting thing. We that's something we'd like to do, but it's uh, you know what we do is very hands-on with our coaches, and uh, it's about finding coaches in other areas who are willing to to do what we do and follow our program. Um, you know, if you look at all of the Parkrun clubs uh you know we're the only one that's probably what you would call a true club where everybody's sort of in one geographical area um compared to say uh running mums australia which i guess is still the number one club and that's it's more of an online club so it's a very different type of club to ours where it's more hands-on i suppose yeah it's just it's just getting um manpower really and yeah. we always have coaches who are approaching us you know, and, and a lot of the coaches actually are from our own running community that have come through it from from the beginning stage, stage as well. Yeah, so we, we actually nurture our coaches through from being a beginner in the club to actually being one of the coaches down the track. If people want to take their recreational running to the next level, how do they get involved within training? What do you have to do to join? Uh, well, to join, it's just a matter of going online and uh, and going through the joining motions. There is a fee to join and you get one of our singlets, which uh, you mentioned before, it's very distinctive. When you go to races, uh, if you wear that singlet, you just get go in training all the way through the race. Yeah, it's a guaranteed cheer if you wear the <laughs> training singlet. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a uh, because it's just a red stripe down the front, it's just so easy to see from a long way off. And, um, you know, at all the park runs, you'll see heaps of people in, in training singlets, I think. 
I guess our profile as a club is, is a bit different from other clubs, which people might be members of, but they don't have uniforms and they, uh, they're not as structured as what we are. That maybe they don't even offer, you know, the same amount of training sessions. And, and even like we have a coaching director who, uh, you know, manages all the communication with the coaches and with the, with the participants in the club. I think the thing with our club, though, and, and it's the same with any club that people really do join, it's, it's making those connections as, as a community, just like Parkrun's, you know, it's a, the Parkrun community in, nationally and internationally as well as at each of the different groups. We have the same um, structure with our in-training groups. So within each training group, there's a little community and everybody, though, will, will connect um, outside of that when they go to races and they see that in-training singlet. You know, they just um, make that connection and it's as if it's a long-lost friend almost. It sounds like it's working. It, it's, it, I agree with you. It is very different to some of the other clubs running around Parkrun, but um, there's no doubt your impact and reach is far and wide. Thanks for coming on the Parkrun Adventures this week and telling us all about in-training. Thanks for having us. It was good to have the uh, guys on, Steve and Margot, from in-training because... We have talked to some clubs that are like my club and your club that aren't serious, that are just very social, recreational running clubs, whereas in training definitely do offer something a bit more. And You know, I'm actually in another club that is a bit more serious. They offer training. So, you know, parkrun's great. You can have the best of every world. You can. You can be in more than one club at once and it's not cheating. Yes, definitely not cheating. I might join a few more clubs by the end of the year. <laughs> One for each state. I'm on the on the edges of a few clubs, but I haven't, you know, I've just dipped my toe in. No, no, no commitment yet. No, no. My heart's always with the Westerfoldians. That's never going to change. But there's nothing wrong with having a little dalliance with some other clubs here and there. <laughs> I encourage it. <laughs> Okay. Just not too many of those Westerfoldians. Don't you go out finding other clubs and not coming back. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gamber. <laughs> hey, that's it. That's it for episode 69. We're in the 70s next week. Mel, I hope you're going to bring your 70s A game. Oh, my 70s A game. I'm, I, may, I may wear a costume next week. Yeah. No, I'm not going to fit into it. That's, let's be realistic. No. I can't do zips up on things that I used to be able to wear at the moment, so... But my 70s A-game will be here, costumeless, Good. next week. Hey, this is, this is the part of the program where we can go a bit off. So if you've had enough, people, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all again next week. But this is the bit where we just ramble. Um, I'll, play the, I'll play the music. I'll play the music. Everyone can come back. So how are you going? You've only got a few more weeks to go. I know you've only got a few more days of work to go. Eight days. Yeah, are we still on track to be doing a podcast every week or are we rethinking that idea? No, we're still on track to be doing a podcast every week. I'm I'm going to be one of those unrealistic mothers who um, <laughs> completely denies anything's going to change until it changes and I can't do everything all at once. Okay. Well, I look forward to it. You know, it's going to be a real challenging couple of weeks. I'm going to be out of the country you're going to be deprived of sleep. So out of my mind. Out of your mind. So it's going to make for great listening or no listening at all. 
<laughs> but we're not going to make any commitment either to not have a podcast or to continue doing the podcast. We're just going to see what happens. Yes. It could get interesting. Or not. It could get boring. <laughs> yeah, could we? I'm, I'm jet lagged. You're, you're tired. What'd you do? Not much. Radio. Who you want to talk to? I don't care. <laughs> See you all next week. Let's interview my infant newborn. <laughs> See what he or she has to say. Yeah. Yeah. It could get messy. Sometimes. Some, yeah, something for us to look forward to. But that's not going to happen next week. <laughs> Episode 70. Next week's going to be fun. See you then. Baby could arrive early. So we're not committing to episode 70 being a good one. Oh, I think I think episode 70 is probably a safe bet. Okay. Good day. I'll chat to you then. See ya. Bye.